I was in Atlanta, and um, because of the seminary I went to, I have friends all over the country and even friends around the world. And so when I was in Atlanta, I could think of at least three couples and individuals that I wanted to see, but I only had a little bit of time aside from the conference I was going to, so I called the one I wanted to see most, and that was my old professor, Dr. Whiteman. Dr. Whiteman was my anthropology professor. He, I loved what he taught me. I think I used probably what he taught me every day. But he was the typical anthropologist and still is. He wears socks with Birkenstocks, and he has a big old anthropologist beard, okay? So can you picture Dr. Whiteman? And so I called him up and I said, Daryl, um, I'm going to be in town. It's been eight years since we've seen each other. And he, I said, could we get together? And so we're working it out. He's like, I'm flying back from Brazil that day, and maybe we could. And so we figured out where we could meet after he's been flying back from Brazil, and I'm about to leave to come back to Texas, where we could meet in the middle and see each other. And it's been eight years. Eight years. So when he last saw me, I came um, into the ministry straight out of college. So I was 26 years old. Um, and he, or yeah, 26, 27. Um, and so he never knew me as a mother. That changes things, doesn't it? So I had to tell him about like, whoa, here's, I've got these two kids now. Life has changed. He never knew me as a pastor, only a student. Now I've been a pastor of three churches. So I just had a lot to tell him, a lot, you know, to share with him, to hear about. And we, I was waiting for him in this place and he walks in and we see each other and he's like, he smiles and we gave each other a big hug and he's like, come sit down and how are you doing, Laura? And I said, I'm doing really well. And he said to me, are you still growing purple zinnias? The book of Matthew, chapter 6. This is what Jesus says. 6.19. Don't store up yourself treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So it just so happened that in the same year that I got to go back and see my old professor, my favorite professor, I got to go back to my old school. And I did that two weeks ago. I was on a recruiting mission with the Southwest Texas Conference, and I was trying to pull promising young pastors, not necessarily young, promising pastors, back to our conference. And so I was in my old stomping ground, a place where I hadn't, where I lived for five years, but I hadn't been for eight that place where I spent the first years of my marriage. And I decided after the day was done, it was dark, um, I dropped off my partner in crime at the hotel and said, I'm just going to go drive around because I didn't really want company. I wanted to go look at the places where Kevin and I had used to live. So I went to the first one, which was not my favorite. It was um, the Broadhurst Manor, which I told you was called Moldwurst because it was filled with mold. And um, actually, we had a friend who lived down at the corner. We lived at one corner, and they lived at the other. And they left their clothing in their closet, obviously, when they went home for Thanksgiving, and the mold consumed it. I'm not kidding. Their clothing was covered with mold when they came back. So delightful place to live. Um, and it was not a shock to me that it was condemned by the time I got there. So I, but it was kind of sad to see like broken beer bottles. You're wondering like, this is a seminary town of like 3,000 people. Who exactly is breaking the beer bottles? You know, like, yeah, yeah. okay. So anyway, um, Broadhurst, this was my apartment here, right there, that first one in that window was ours. And now it's just waiting to be torn down. So I went there and that was a little bit sad, um, but I, I knew that the favorite place that Kevin and I had lived was still coming up. So I was going to drive to the edge of town. This is a very small town, so it was like a minute, and see my old apartment. 
And I had kept a garden there. It was a community garden. And our neighbors, Jay and Carla Helms, um, who are from North Carolina, we, our landlord loved us. And so Kevin and I kept an illegal cat and they knew about that. And the illegal cat had illegal kittens and they knew about that and just turned a blind eye to the fact that we had an illegal cat and illegal kittens. And, and then they, we asked them, could we plant a community garden? Jay and Carla was like, we could do this and we could, you know, we could, we could clear this land. And so we cleared the land and we did a controlled burn. That was exciting. And we turned the soil and we planted this garden and we had all kinds of vegetables. All kinds of stuff will grow up there. It's great soil and the water just comes out of the sky. It's amazing up there. So we planted this amazing garden, and I filled the flower beds around my apartment with flowers. I got Anne's permission, the landlord, and I said, could I just plant flowers? And she said, absolutely. So I planted zinnias and cosmos, and I, I found at Walmart, because remember, pretty poor, found at Walmart the most amazing rose bush I have ever smelled. And I smell a lot of roses. But this candy apple rose was delightful, and I planted it. It was a huge investment. I planted it, and it grew. By the time we left, it was huge. It was colossal. It survived every winter, and it was just great. And I went driving up to my old apartment, like, because when we left, we handed off the community garden to the next students. We're going to see what the community garden looks like. Weeds this tall. There's my garden. There's little trees growing in it now. And when I looked back towards my apartment to find my rosebush, bark chips and a chair. They had pulled it up, I guess. I don't know exactly what happened, why you would take away the flowers and put the bark chips in the chair, but <clears throat> they were gone. And it was nighttime, so I kind of looked around to make sure that my rosebush, because, y'all, that was the prettiest rose ever. It wasn't still there, it wasn't. And I just sat in the car, and I was so sad. I know what the Bible says about the stuff that we work for not lasting, but most of the time, I'm able to push that to the back of my mind. Because what we do all day is a lot of stuff that isn't lasting. But why would we do it if it's not, you know, and so we just don't think about that. And then I drove to my old home and in eight years, every trace of me, everything that I worked so hard on, was gone. And I sat in that car long enough to realize that I'm in a small town and I'm probably looking kind of creepy. And so I drove back to the hotel and, you know, I'm alone in a town that used to be my home and I just told God, I said, God, I'm really uncomfortable in the world right now. I'm really sad because there's not a trace of me left here. After living here five years, everything is gone. Nothing has remained. I mean, if that's what life is, then how long will it take after I die for everything I did to be gone? You know? I didn't really know it was all about that, but that was what it was. And I was just lamenting that the garden was gone, and um, God began to speak to me. You know what he reminded me of? Purple zinnias. You see, when Daryl Whiteman looked at me that day and said, are you still planting purple zinnias? I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> purple zinnias? No, I don't have any purple zinnias. And, but I, I looked at him, and I could tell for him purple zinnias had defined our relationship. So I'm thinking about purple zinnias, purple zinnias. And then I remembered my garden. I had given him flowers 
from my garden. Eight years ago, 10 years ago, I gave him flowers from my garden. And when he sees me again for the first time, he doesn't say, how are the kids? How is pastoring going? He says, are you planting purple zinnias? And that's what God reminded me about as I looked at the dead garden, the purple zinnias. I didn't get into giving purple zinnias away with my own idea. It was actually Jay's idea. Um, we did a lot of work on the garden. <laughs> it was a lot of work. One time the police came when we were doing a burn that we thought was okay and the fire trucks rolled up and we just kind of stomped it out. It was, it was dramatic. There was a lot of work. Um, and finally the plants start growing. And the first thing to grow was a red bell pepper. Now y'all remember seminary student. There was no way in the world I could ever afford to buy a red bell pepper. That's just the world we were living in. We couldn't have red or yellow or orange. We might could get green, okay? Um, not the red. And we, so we planted every color, and the first one was the red. So I started thinking, oh, red bell pepper, I have plans for you, you know? You are going to be grilled. I'll, I'll split it right down in half, and Jay and Carla get half of the bell pepper, and we get half, and it'll be a salad, or it'll be a great sandwich, or oh my gosh, red bell pepper. So I'm out there with Jay one day. We're watering the garden. Um, and Jay says, so, we need to decide, Laura, who we're going to give the bell pepper to. <laughs> what? <laughs> I have some big plans for my bell pepper, you know? And he said, well, you know, that thing in the Old Testament, in the Bible, remember? In the Bible, God, the people of God always gave God their first fruits. He's like, that's what it means, the first thing to come off of every plant. And we need to give it away. Dang it, because that is a really biblical idea. And we're in seminary, and I wanted to eat the bell pepper. But you can't say to Mr. Pius J. Helms, no, I think a really better idea would be for us to consume it. You know, like, you want to give it away, but I really think we should eat it because we've been working hard for it. So obviously, Jay prevailed, and we gave away the bell pepper. And he had plants. Like, he's like, we have tomato plants and jalapeno plants and broccoli and lettuce and everything, basil. We're going to give away the first one. Not all of this is the first one. Now, what is the normal model when you have fruit or vegetables to give away? You eat as much as you want. Then you have too much, and you give it away, right? You give away when you have an abundance. In fact, if you go to Menard, Texas during zucchini time, it's the only time they lock their doors in their cars is during the zucchini harvest because if you don't lock your doors, I have a friend who's a pastor there, people will come in your house or in your car and fill it with zucchini. It's true. So that's the only time they lock their doors is so they won't get the extra zucchini. But here Jay was saying, before we have like these carloads of zucchini or anything, we're going to give away the only thing we have, the first thing. So, yeah, you know, okay, fine. So we make a list. He's like, we need to give it to people who are making our education possible. Who, you know, like not only the professors, but the secretaries who do support work and the maintenance staff. And even maybe there's a student who could use a little pick-me-up and a reminder that God loves them. Okay, so we take this beautiful bell pepper and Jay carries it, because I probably would have been like, okay, let's go, you know? And we take the bell pepper, and Jay gives it to this professor, and he says, this is the first fruit from our garden, the very first thing. 
that the garden has produced. And you have been so important to us that we want you to have it. Thank you for what you're doing to teach us. And the man's face lit up. Y'all, a pepper has never had such an impact as that pepper did. And so it goes with our tomatoes and our jalapenos. Those were a little harder because we're in Kentucky. So it's hard to be like, here is a present because people don't understand. Ah, jalapeno, what will I do with that, you know? Um, But you can find people who appreciate it. And we gave it away. And when we made, this was my idea because it got to be fun. When we, made, when we had our basil plants grew and we made pesto, which is even better than a pepper, we made extra and we put it in little, little Tupperwares and we took it to people. Here's some pesto. And boy, that made their days. So it came by the time that my flowers grew that I was really hooked on this idea of giving flowers away. I kept a lot. My flowers filled our apartment and they filled um, my study area where I was doing my doctoral, first year doctoral work. And But then I bought these vases at Goodwill for 10 cents, and I'd clip off my flowers, and every week I'd have an arm of flowers in my backpack, and I'd be going to to school and um, thinking, I wonder who it is God will have me give these flowers to today. It was so cool, but I had forgotten it. I had forgotten that. I mean, I remember giving the flowers away, but you don't really think, "Mm," you know, you don't really think anybody else will remember it. Until Daryl Whiteman said, Are you growing purple zinnias? And I realized that he doesn't remember any of the papers I ever turned in. He doesn't remember how I did on tests. He doesn't remember that article that we wrote together and how we got it published. He remembers that I brought him flowers from my garden. What Jesus is saying, and what I understood better about this passage when I saw my garden dead is, If we only get things together financially here, I will be happy for us, but not totally. So remember how we said, God wants us to be free, right? To not be in chains by money of all things if he has set our spirits free in Christ. And so when we become financially free, we will be blessed. We will. And that will be a great time of celebration. But... If that's all we ever do, it won't be enough because as soon as we are gone from this earth, the rust will get it, the thieves will get it, it will just die from neglect. We want to have this garden that is eternal, right? I mean, now I know that when I get to heaven, it's going to be filled with purple zinnias. Awesome. The other day, my daughter Anna gave away a bit of her cookie to Leah. She had a cookie. Leah didn't. She didn't want to share. And I was like, remember, remember, we're going to talk about this on Sunday. The things you give away are what lasts. And she was like, oh, cookies in heaven, you know? So instead of breaking off like a little bite, she broke off a bigger piece and was like, here you go. And then Leah ate it, and she like gave her another one. That's exactly right. She's going to have an M&M cookie piece in heaven, right? There is a little treasure pile building up because she gave it away. It's what we give away that becomes our eternal treasure. Now, so let's do it, right? Let's do it. Um, What I would say to you is that it was not fun at first to give away my first pepper. I needed Jay Helms saying, let's give away a pepper, and me to just be like, 
gosh. So if you're new to the faith, this is a very different thing than what we see in the rest of the world. The rest of the world is like, let's get for ourselves. And God is like, get, be blessed, be free, then give, that the world may be changed, that the world may be better because you were alive, because I was alive, that we leave it better than we found it. And y'all, this church is doing that. Remember how I said last week that I talked to our treasurer in the conference? Remember what he said that I told you? That of the decade, he says, I think Bee Creek is probably the most successful new church start of the decade in our entire conference. He said, you guys have brought more people into the family of God than any other church in the conference. We are not the biggest. There are churches that worship 2,700 people on Sunday, and they are 100 people behind us. This is a great place to invest in the work of God. I mean, think about this Tuesday, families in need in our community through Helping Hand Ministry and through your volunteering and our support from this church are going to know that they're loved on Thanksgiving. Through our generosity, there are orphans in Guatemala who have felt abandoned but have had a chance to know the love of a Heavenly Father. Did you know that this year, 29 adults have joined our church? I've gotten to hear some of their stories. And they would tell you, some of them, that they moved to a new community and needed a place to belong. Some of them would say they were far from family and they found a surrogate grandparent or grandparents here. And there were others who would tell you that they were far from God that they were lost in the dark and they came here and they heard the word of life. That's eternal. That's a treasure in heaven. Where do we begin? Well, begin with the pepper. You know, if it's your first time to give, start with the pepper. Start with the first fruits. And what that means is you, you what I always did is if I had too many tomatoes, I'd give one away. But the pepper says, whatever you do, just plan to do it first. Give the pepper first. There's actually a group I would call the J group who knows how blessed it is to give and is going to encourage you if it's your first time to give, to be generous by matching the first $250. If you fill out a giving card and it's your first time, they're going to match. So it's like double, double bonus. It's awesome. Start there. And other people say, well, but you know, I want to make sure I get this right. So how do I make sure I get this right, make sure I do what God wants? Well, the problem is there is no one thing in the Bible that God says to do. You have everything from first fruits to the tithe, which is 10%, to everything. So what I'd say is, number one, do it with joy. Because throughout the Bible, what we hear is giving should be joyful. It should, the pepper wasn't joyful right at first, but it was super joyful right into the, you know, as soon as I saw what it did, it was pretty great. So give it with joy. And then second, make sure you fall in here somewhere. Anywhere from the pepper and the first fruit to everything. Somewhere in there is going to be great, and it's between you and God, what you do. Somebody asked me about the 10%, so let me explain this, because sometimes we just need the basics. They said, well, what about a tithe? How do I do that? It's easy. This is the easiest way to do it, is you just take your check and you say, okay, 10% of what I'm getting, you move the decimal over, 
right? Done. You got it, okay? That's how you do it. Some of, some of y'all get a little bit more fancy and you say, well, gross or net, okay? If, okay, good. If you're moving on up, you move on up to gross, okay? And then just look at your tax return, move the decimal over and plan on that, okay? But the thing is to do it with joy. Do it with joy. And I knew that when I saw the garden. I saw that garden and everything was dead and the rose bush that smelled the sweetest I've ever smelled was gone. Then God said, but it's not all gone because some of it has been turned into eternity. See, everything I ever kept for myself is gone. I have the sweet memory of it, but it's gone now. But everything I ever gave away, I will see it again. It has changed lives, and that's worth it. Let's pray. God, help us. Teach us how you call us to be generous people. Because I know that you know we're going to love it. change the world through us. Help us to be so good with what we're doing with our money that we can bless others, that we can show love to orphans and to widows and to the least and to the lost and to the last. Thank you for letting us be part of such a great church. And whisper to us your vision of the future and help us be ready to meet you there, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.